as leaders, we can become very isolated and we feel like we're kind of on our own trying to figure this out. But it's always good to know that other people are going through some of the same struggles we are. And even though a company looks amazing from the outside, which often it is, overall, it's successful. Every company has challenges. And it's good to know that. It's good to realize that. And it's very refreshing to have a leader like Will Robinson from Encapture come on the show and share it. They're very successful. He's doing great. He's an amazing leader. But of course, there's always challenges. And for him to come in and share these challenges is great to hear. So if you're facing some of these ups and downs roller coasters, definitely give this a listen because we'll give some advice on what he did that helped him get past some early challenges and some things that he's doing currently that are getting him to the next level. So great stuff here. Definitely listen to this one. Welcome to Scale Your SaaS, the podcast that gives you proven techniques and formulas for boosting your revenue and achieving your dream exit. Brought to you by a guy who's done just that multiple times. Here's your host, Matt Wallach. And welcome to Scale Your SaaS. Thank you very much for joining us today. Really happy to have you here. I want to make sure if you are new to the show, we are here to help you understand how to grow your business, get to those amazing goals that you've set and scale your SaaS, just like it says. So if that's something you want, hit the subscribe button right now. Subscribe to this show so you get notified of any new updates. We talk to amazing leaders from around the world of SaaS every single week, and you do not want to miss out. And one of those amazing leaders we have with us today, and I'm super pumped about it. I've got Will Robinson with me. Will, how you doing? Hey, Matt. Doing great. Thanks so much for having me. Absolutely. Really glad that you're here. Let me make sure everybody knows who you are, Will. So Will is the CEO at Encapture. Encapture mm -hmm. is a SaaS platform that helps banks automatically extract important information from documents. He has assembled a strong team of individuals who share his passion for fintech and AI banking, ensuring sustainable growth and innovation. He leads Encapture with emphasis and passion for company culture and setting a high standard of excellence for a team that is constantly learning and excelling. He's absolutely a dynamic, great leader, and I'm loving that he's here with us. So, Will, thanks again for coming on the show. Absolutely, Matt. I, I appreciate the intro, man. I, uh, I wish I could hear that every morning when I woke up. That, that starts <laughs> Awesome. Nice way to get you pumped up. Well, that's great. I'm glad that that helps. So tell me a little bit about what you've been doing lately and what's coming up. Yeah. You know, so as you mentioned, uh, in capture sales into banks uh, and uh, lenders, and we uh, as you can imagine, selling into banking right now, it's a whole different ballgame than it was a year or two ago. Uh, we're coming off a period where um, interest rates were super low. Uh, there were a lot of people getting loans, whether those were mortgages or commercial loans or auto loans. And banks were super, super busy and they needed uh, ways to be more efficient. And that's what our software does. It helps them uh, be a lot more efficient in the back office uh, and process paperwork. So uh, you know, we're coming off a period where interest rates are now higher. People are not moving or selling their houses. They're not buying new houses. They're not buying as many cars. Uh, banks are struggling. I mean, you, you've seen kind of uh, the issues with Silicon Valley Bank and uh, some of the, the flight of deposits. So it's, it's a really interesting time to be selling into banks. And I think it's, it's um, forced us as a company to say, hey, how can we still uh, – create a message that resonates. Uh, these banks still spend money, but it's what are they spending money on and what's their focus and their priority in these challenging times? And uh, how can we how can we help them solve their problems in a way that uh, you know allows us to continue to grow like we want to um, through maybe a tougher market? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I can see that that change is happening right now. Even me on the outside, seeing it all go down. But I want to ask you, so banks, there's a lot of different kinds of banks. You've got the local community banks, you've got big international organizations. 
have you, have you set up a process within your sales that kind of differentiates on how you sell to those different types of, uh, and different sizes of organization? Yeah, it's a great question. Uh, banks and, you know, um, banks are a unique industry. It's, it's an enterprise motion, whether they're at your small local community bank or it's a Wells Fargo. Um, there's, uh, you know, typically, uh, buying software is a committee process. There's, uh, there's your line of business champion that's usually uh, owning a specific part of the branch that they're responsible for where your software is going to help. But then there's an IT group that's responsible for helping implement it, making sure it's hooked up to the other systems uh, within the bank. And so, uh, you know, whether you're selling to a big bank, medium-sized regional bank, or even a community bank, there's a lot of similarities. And what we've really uh, tried to focus on is uh, you know, certain banks are maybe more apt to use our software than others. And we've kind of figured out a sweet spot, the type of products that banks offers, the size of the bank uh, to really narrow in on our ICP. Uh, but then once you, uh, you know, once you have a, a prospect, it's running them through a fairly stringent process uh, to where we can qualify, qualify them, you know, early as, as early as we can and making sure that uh, as they're putting us through their bank process, um, you know, we're, we're being diligent as well. So we don't waste time and, and we're fairly efficient. So, uh, you know, it, we have tried so many, uh, early on, I would say a few years ago, we tried a bunch of different ways to sell into banks. Do we go with a more product led strategy? Um, is there kind of a, kind of an SMB type angle where it's a bit more transactional and given, uh, given the way banks work, kind of their culture and, and, the, and the type of software we sell and the, in the deal sizes that we're doing, uh, you know, which are five or six figure ACVs. Uh, it's still very much an enterprise motion. So we've, we've figured out how to, you know, how do you, how do you get, get as efficient and, and focused as possible in that? Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Even with the smaller players, I don't see banks as being that type of a group that would want to move quickly on, on much anything. So I, I totally get where you're coming from there. I want to know for your company and capture, how did it come to be? Where did this come from? Yeah, it's a funny story. The company's been around actually 25 years. Um, and as you look at me, people are like, you don't even look like you're 25 years old, Will. Um, so uh, the, I joined the company about four and a half years ago. Um, we started uh, selling other automation software into banks and lenders, really in, in, into a bunch of different industries. We were a big partner uh, for a large software company, and we would um, help them sell and implement their software kind of in a professional services role. Um, and then over time, our company built our own product in Capture that really made the document collection, upfront collection and, and processing of documents, getting the important data out, uh, made that a lot more efficient. And so we would kind of mm -hmm. reactively sell that alongside our big partner. Uh, when I joined four and a half years ago, uh, we had a pretty dramatic shift in our strategy where we wanted to take our little product in Capture and make that the focus of the company and say, hey, there's a lot of opportunity using AI, using machine learning to uh, read documents, extract important data, validate that data. Uh, and uh, given we have this expertise in banking, let's see how we can go solve problems for banks. And so the journey over the last four and a half years has been really transitioning away from our legacy partners um, and, and turning kind of a, a legacy professional services model into a more pure play uh, software as a service uh, business model. So it's been a uh, it's, you know, people ask, well, did you found the company? I did not found the company. I will never take credit for that. But almost every single thing is new uh, over the last, you know, five years, including the name of our company. So uh, we, we've, we hit a hard reset. And, um, you know, it's been, a, it's been a really fun journey. It's been really hard, really challenging. I think that's something that a lot of CEOs or founders um, are starting to talk about more. 
uh, but but there's kind of this uh, sometimes this social media facade that it's you know that everybody's loving every minute of it, and like there are days, weeks, months that are just really hard, um, and we've had we've had those moments. Um, but overall, it's been a fantastic journey. Uh, it's been a ton of fun. Um, I've got a great group of about 50 employees here, uh, and you know we get to solve some really kind of uh, hairy, thorny issues for these for these banks and lenders um, that, that bring a lot of value and help them be a lot more efficient internally. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I'm glad you shared that it's hard because we're all going through it. It's very difficult to grow a company and to scale a company and get it to where we want it to be. And we've all been there. The ups and downs are real. And everybody on this uh, show that's listening right now, I'm sure has felt that same sort of thing. So I appreciate you letting us know that that, that happens and it looks yeah. great from the outside sometimes, but you're really a down deep kind of pushing and, and trying to make things happen. So that's so cool that you're, you're in the teeth of it, making it happen. Well, so you, you mentioned also, you know, you've taken over this company after a long time, you know, it, it's been around for quite a while. Tell me about what that was like taking over. And it sounds like you came up with some new ideas. You've, you said everything's new. What was that shift like? And was it received really well, or did it take some effort to make sure the team was bought in? Yeah, no, it was, it was tough. It was tough. Um, you know, when I started, um, the, the, the existing team at the company had been around, kind of been here a long time. It was very uh, comfortable with the way things were being done. Um, you know, when I came in, it was a very different, it was a different direction for the company. It was a different strategy. It was a different focus. And, you know, what I asked folks to do was, Hey, can you buy into this idea of, maybe suspending the way you've done things in the past and think about how we do it differently. Um, you know, candidly, we were, we were not successful making that happen with the people we had, um, out of the, the first, I don't know, 35 or 37 employees we had, we have like two or three left, wow. um, the original team. Yeah. And, uh, um, you know, it's, it's really hard to come in and change an organization, especially one that's been around for a while. Um, it's, it's hard for people to, um, kind of think differently about, about how they're going to, uh, approach their job and, and do things differently. So, um, you know, we, it started with setting a very clear direction for the company, something that, that, um, you know, wasn't really there when I started, like, who do we want to be? Who are we today? Who do we want to be? Where are we trying to go? Um, and then, you know, how we get there mostly was a function of, um, just, I would say it was a, it was a mindset and a, and a, and a buy-in to a culture, um, and that's what was hard for some folks. Uh, I, I had, a, I, you know, I had a lot of folks that I would have loved to have kept working here and be part of our team today. Mm -hmm. uh, and they had the technical skill sets to do that, but they, um, they, they just weren't bought in to, to the strategy mm -hmm. and, you know, that's okay. Like they, they have the choice to, to do that. Uh, but ultimately it was a lot better, healthier, uh, for us to just bring in fresh folks who didn't have the legacy history baggage assumptions and just say, Hey, Here's who we are today. You know, here's who we're trying to be. Buy into that and let's go figure it out. So, uh, you know, that I guess that would be my word of encouragement. If, if you're running a business and you feel like you have maybe a legacy employee base and, and you're struggling to really affect change, um, it's very hard to get a legacy group of folks to kind of uh, to change. And, and, and so, you know, one thing I was really worried about. Uh, when I first got here and even my first year or two is I felt like a, a lot of these folks had kind of this institutional knowledge or this tribal knowledge of, of our business, of our industry. Um, and I was really fearful that if they left, we wouldn't be able to replicate it or, uh, we wouldn't be able to, to go backfill for that. 
what I've learned is it's it's so much it's a lot easier to backfill and replicate that information, that knowledge base, that skill set uh, than, than I thought it would be. Um, and it's so much more refreshing to get in people that have the right mindset, buy into the culture, um, and, and really lean into, to the challenges that, that you're facing. Every business has so many problems. I mean, so many problems. Uh, and, and so really, I think, especially if you're a, a fast growing business or you want to be growing quickly by nature, you will have a, there, there will just be a lot of things that need to get solved. And so if you have people on your team who, who kind of embrace that and they say, Hey, look, I'm going to show up today and try to figure out something new and do the very best I can and, uh, and not get overwhelmed by all the, the problems or struggles. Uh, those people do really, really well. And, and it was surprising how quickly we could push through some of that stuff. So, uh, it's definitely been a journey. Um, I do think setting a very clear vision for the company up front was important. I also think defining culture, like what type of organization do you want to run? Do you want to have, uh, we had to set up core values, uh, you know, what are our core values at the company? Uh, we set up kind of a list of, of attributes around uh, being a high-performing workplace environment. What does that mean to be a high-performing workplace? We have eight or 10 kind of attributes that that we uh, we use to characterize that. We went through some training, some formal training where we hired a, a moderator to come in for a couple of days and actually walk us through that. Uh, and, and again, this was all about laying a foundation so that as you go about your day, making decisions, making choices, how do I deal with this angry customer. Um, I feel like I have too much on my plate. How do I prioritize? I, I, there's friction internally with a colleague, maybe on a different team. How do I handle that? Uh, because we had this base foundation of, of core values and, and kind of characteristics of, of a high-performing workplace environment, we were able to, to point back to that. And that was a, a great way for people to either learn how to be part of this organization or for a way to, for people to look at that and say, you know what, I don't think I can do that or I don't think I want to. And it was time for them to move on. We'll be right back. Scale Your SaaS is supported by ToroWave. Lots of software leaders I talk to are looking to scale their SaaS. And I keep hearing over and over about one major struggle, getting ghosted by buyers after the demo. How frustrating is it? When you have a great demo, you're feeling good, they like it, it seems like a done deal, and then crickets, nothing. You reach out, they're not responding to you at all. And when these software companies, they ask me to dive in, I notice that these sellers are following up the wrong way, or actually, I should say, with the wrong medium. What they're doing is they're hammering emails over and over again. I got a newsflash for you. Email effectiveness is dwindling down and down every year. So why beat your head against the wall losing all kinds of business? Start texting, mix in texts along with emails and calls and watch your conversion rates go up. In fact, conversion rates go up by about 50% when you use texting as part of the follow-up. People are used to it. And did you know the response rate on texts is 98%, 98%. So why throw emails into a a black hole knowing that they're never going to get returned. Text buyers and get results. But don't use your own phone. All kinds of security and compliance issues if you do. Also, none of that data is with your company. That's not good. Instead, use this system ToroWave. ToroWave is designed for sales. It makes texting with buyers super simple and fast, and it helps drive more deals. Deals that you've been losing until now. For being a listener, you get 50% off your first month of using ToroWave. 50% off. Just go to ToroWave.com slash scale. That's T-O-R-O-W-A-V-E dot com slash scale. Get signed up and start winning more deals like Tracy, who closed $170,000 in three days after starting. Again, go to ToroWave.com slash scale catch up and win by texting with Torway. 
And we're back. I, I agree with that. I've seen that in the best organizations I've been a part of and run is that once you have those core values, you can hire based off of it. You train based off of it. You make decisions every day based off those values that you've come up. And it, it kind of becomes your, your roadmap, your guide, so to speak, to be able to run the whole company. And I think it's powerful. And something you said earlier really resonated. You said that the, the legacy team had become comfortable. And a lot of what I see when I'm coaching businesses is I see that sometimes they're not hungry enough and that the team is, is a little too comfortable with what's going on. And that's, that's not a good place for anybody to be. And I don't even like when I get a little too comfortable. I, I see myself lax a little bit. And it's, it's something where, like you said, the team now is hungry for challenges and they're, they're looking to try and get ahead. I bet you see a completely different dynamic amongst the team. Yeah, it's been night and day. You know, in uh, you know, there's a there's a concept of kind of having a, you know, a fixed mindset versus a growth mindset. Um, you know, a fixed mindset is, hey, you know, this is just the way things are. I can't do anything to change it. Um, I'm comfortable where I am. I don't want to learn anything new. And then a growth mindset is, look, I'm always learning. I'm always getting better. I have room to improve. I'm humble enough to admit that I don't have it all figured out. Um, and that's something we really look for here when we go and, and hire and recruit is, you know, do these, do, do folks have a growth mindset? And, um, that looks different for different people. You know, we've got, um, you know, call it developers that are more intellectually hungry, right? They like learning mm -hmm. and solving new, big, hard problems. You know, we've got sales reps that are, that are more traditionally kind of, you know, just got, have, they have the, the mentality and mindset of just waking up every day and kind of going to battle and saying, Hey, I'm, I'm going to make my calls, send out my notes follow up on this opportunity. I'm going to be meticulous about my process. Um, and you know, it's just like, it's just like if you're a, you know, if you're an athlete at a high level, you, you have to have, you know, strict training and discipline in the way that you approach your sport to be successful. And it's the same thing in a company. You have to, uh, have a plan. You have to be willing to discipline yourself and kind of put yourself under the plan and under the process that you're going through. And then through that, you start seeing the results you want to see, and, you know, if you're doing that collectively across, across, uh, you know, different functions of your business, you look up and the business is doing really cool stuff. I love it. Great analogy as a former athlete and somebody who, uh, loves sports myself, I absolutely see the connection there. So, uh, really love that you did that, but I want to know, looking back, what were some of the initiatives that you put in place that helped the company and were, were, were things that really helped in capture move forward? Yeah. So th the first thing was what we just talked about. It was that culture and that set of kind of core values and saying, who are we? What type of person do we want to have here? Um, how do we want our customers to perceive us? Um, how do we relate to each other? Um, you know, and again, that sounds kind of very squishy, but it's, it's critical. I mean, if you're, if you're in a relationship or you have a spouse or you like, it's the same, it, you kind of do the same thing. Like what kind of relationship is this going to be? What are the foundational principles upon which we we have a relationship because if, if you don't have a foundation or a set of principles, the relationship won't last. So that was really, really critical at first to get the right type of person in here. The the thing after that, that, that we, um, that we really had to ideate on, it was just process. Um, I think, well, let me put it like this, as we were, you know, as we were setting the foundation and the culture, and as we started building out process, candidly, we needed to really narrow our focus as a company in, ter in terms of who we sell to, what that what that buyer ICP looks like, um, what the process looks like. Uh, when I you know four or five years ago, we were mostly selling to banks, but we were selling into insurance, we were selling into state mm. and local government, we were selling to some Fortune 500 companies. Uh, we got 
um, all sorts of random kind of, you know, we'd find these RFPs for random stuff that we could do with our technology, uh, but it was maybe more of a one-off type situation. And we we decided to get really, really narrow and really mm-hmm. and, and really focused. And so if you look at even our go-to-market today, uh, we are, it's very, very narrow in terms of who we're trying to target, the messaging we're using, uh, even though our our platform can do a thousand different things and solve a thousand different use cases, we're really going to market with like two, two, you know, and 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 so uh, that allowed us to be a lot more focused and then put a lot of process around, um, you know, whether that's our sales process or sales methodology or um, delivery, you know, implementation of our software or even from a product roadmap perspective, we had a lot more discipline um, within a process and we could. We could look at what's working, what's not. We could hold ourselves accountable to that. We could hold our team accountable to that. And I think that allowed us to um, kind of innovate quicker, understand where we're not good quicker, and um, have some insights into like how how best how how, how do we run this business better? Um, if you don't have process or, or or kind of a standard way of doing stuff, and you can't track it, it's going to be really hard to to measure um, to measure progress or to understand where you're doing well or where you're falling short. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I mean, obviously process is huge. Everybody listening knows that that's a big focus for me, but I love that you narrowed your niche and you said, we've got to focus on these particular prospects and customers because it just makes everything within the business run so much easier. It makes your marketing more focused, more tight, makes the buyers realize that you are perfect for them specifically, which is amazing. So I love that that's a great success for you. I want to flip it and ask maybe a more uncomfortable question. What were some of the things you did that didn't go well and you wish, Ooh, I, I, I wish that didn't happen. Yeah, man. I've done so many things wrong. I mean, I'll be the first to admit, like there's so Kudos many mis- to you for admitting that. Yeah. Well, it's, uh, it's, it's easy to remind myself of that sometimes because we're still living with the, uh, with the consequences of those things. Uh, uh, hold, you know, I, I would say holding on to people too long that aren't, that, that you just know aren't a fit, um, trying to kind of, kind of, you know, from the goodwill in your heart, trying to make them fit here is is just not, or hoping that they are going to have a different attitude or mindset. It's just delaying the inevitable. So I, you know, I think there's a few folks, I wish I had made some changes a bit earlier in the process. I think we just would have been able to move faster. And um, so, so that, that's one. Um, early on, we, um, as we were narrowing our ICP, we tried different things. Which, which I'm, which I'm not ashamed of, of trying, like, like selling into different markets or different ICPs or going and trying to do a new, a new use case. Like again, because our software can, can handle a lot of different use cases. Sometimes you hear something you're like, oh, I think we could do that. And then you get into it and you can't. Um, and so we, we, we've wasted some time and energy trying out different stuff. And again, do I regret that? Um, some some of those decisions were probably uh, well placed bets. I'm glad I made the bet. They it just didn't turn out. Some of them, uh, you know, I'm like, well, I think I could have been a little bit smarter going into that. And maybe just turn that type of business away. Um, you know, those are probably those are probably the big two. Is like, you know, you got to try stuff, especially as a CEO or a leader. You have to, you know, if it's not working, you have to be able to try different things. Um, but as long as it's kind of staying core to your, your mission um, and the vision for your business, I think that's okay. I think if it starts veering outside of that, because maybe there's a big dollar amount tied to it, or it's a big deal, or it's a cool brand name, um, or it's kind of like, oh, well, this could become maybe a secondary market for us to go after. I think that's where you, you can get yourself in trouble. Um, 
So the, the, kind of a couple of things that come to, top to mind there. Yeah, I, I would agree with all of that. And as we wrap up here, what advice would you have for other software leaders who are kind of following the same path and, and want to be able to grow and create this successful business? What would you share with them? Just stick with it. You know, I think that's the, uh, I think that's the hard thing. I've been, you know, in this role now almost five years and, uh, it's, it's hard. It's hard to, to, to treat it as a marathon. Um, mm -hmm. it's easy to sprint, right? You kind of see the next quarter's goals or you see that, that next big deal, or you see that next kind of push and kind of put yourself into that. Um, I would say, you know, keep healthy perspective. It's so easy to get sucked in as well and see, um, and just kind of let this become all consuming. So I would just, I would say, I would encourage people, you know, figure out a way in your life to, um, I, I won't say half balance because there's no such thing as balance. If you're a CEO or founder of like an actual real company that's growing and doing well, it, it will be all consuming. And that's just your, your, your personality is probably going to be like that way in the first place to even be in that type of role. Um, mm -hmm. And if, if, if you're growing and you're doing well, there's just a lot to do, um, but figure out ways to um, create uh, space away from work in your life. Uh, whether that's with family, friends, um, you know, uh, your physical health and physical exercise is huge. It's something that I was really good about. And then in COVID I stopped and I felt it very quickly. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, and then have kind of gotten back in, into, uh, you know, taking care of myself physically and it's made all the difference. Uh, so take care of yourself, uh, uh, make sure and make sure you've got community. It can be isolating to be a founder and CEO, make sure you've got community around you that can support you and love you. And they don't care. They don't care anything about your business or how successful you are or how much you fail. And thankfully I've got three young kids at home that are like four, two, and I've got an infant like six months old and they don't, they don't even know, like they don't, they could not tell you what I do for a living and they don't You're care. their world. Yeah. But when I come home from work, you know, they are so excited to see me and, and, uh, you know, so, so find things like that, but, uh, you know, it's really, it's hard to, it's hard to build a business. It's hard to run a business. Um, I, I love it. It's so much fun. It's so invigorating. Uh, but if, if you want to do well and really the, the folks that I found have done really, really well in this, they figure out ways to sustain themselves over longer periods of time and not get burned out. And I think that's something I've had to learn myself over the last few years. Yeah, I would agree. Very, very cool advice. I hope everybody soaks it up and takes it to heart. Will, this has been awesome. How can our audience learn more about you and Encapture? Yeah, I appreciate that, Matt. Um, you can head to Encapture.com. Um, uh, you can check us out on LinkedIn. Uh, you know, we sell into big boring banks. So like there's no, there's no TikTok for us. Uh, our, our buyers are not there, but, uh, yeah, we'd, we'd love to find you online. If you ever have questions or need help with anything, let me know. I'd be happy to help. That's awesome. We'll put all that into the show notes. He's Will Robinson. Will, this has been awesome. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Yeah. Thanks so much, Matt. I appreciate it. Absolutely. And everybody else out there. Thanks for coming. Thanks for listening and watching. Glad you're here. Make sure you're subscribed to the show. And we are looking for reviews. So if you think this is helpful stuff, please give us a review showing others that this is something they can listen to as well. So thanks for being here and we will see you next time. Take care. Thanks for listening to Scale Your SaaS. For more help on finding great leads and closing more deals, go to mattwallach.com.